0: Well, it's nice to see everyone coming to visit their moms today. So, in honor of Mother's Day, you know, it's really uh, it's one of those great holidays that that we uh, observe here. And uh, you know, this is one that uh, obviously the the Bible encourages: honor your mother and your father. And so, um, and of course, mothers are first, and so Mother's Day comes first. And <laughs> so um yeah but it is a is a great day and happy Mother's Day mom if you're if you're listening to this uh, I'll see you later for dinner so I would, I would have called her this morning but she normally doesn't get up before 9 30 10 o'clock and so we'll see her later but motherhood is a, it's a blessing from God and we know that it, it doesn't make it easy though You know, kids, kids are like candy. Not kids like candy. Ki- kids are like candy. Uh, they come in a lot of varieties. They can be, um, have, a, have a real hard shell, some of them. Some are soft. Some are really sweet. Others, maybe not so much. And we all have our favorites. Don't tell them that, but, but motherhood is a, it's a noble task, it's an honorable task. You know, we're commanded to, to, to make disciples. And, you know, being a mother, being a father, parents, I mean, that's the first. Discipleship program that you should have is discipling your children, raising them up in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart. And please do it well; it benefits all of us. Benefits them. Training the child is a critical part of life. You know, and and as I think about it, um, my childhood. I had great parents, I've been blessed. And my mom and I, we, of course, spent more, more time together than most fathers, because they're at work, away, at work during the daytime, and for a while there, I, I thought it was my goal to, to help my mom, and you know, she needed a sparring partner. <laughs> I thought that was my job, you know, (laughs) if she doesn't have someone to do that with, then what's she going to do, you know, so. uh, But my mom was wonderful, Uh, you know, she believed in spare the rod, spoil the child. And, um, you know, as a child, if you're listening today, you don't always appreciate that uh, discipline that our parents uh, give to us, but... It's crucial, and then as all of us get older, we, we recognize, we are thankful that our parents just didn't let us run, run loose and have everything we want. So, moms, it's, uh, it's, it's a noble task. Continue to, um, to be strong and to guide your children in the way that they should go. And God will bless you for doing that. Every amount of time you spend with them um, is selfless. It's sacrificial love. And that comes because we're made in God's image. And so, you know, as God has has shown us how to love, sacrificial love. That's crucial for, for all of our lives. This message is titled, God's Love. And I titled it that because as our Father and as our perfect, uh, a holy and perfect God, His love is perfect. And He is our example of love. And just as a parent should give their kids instruction, He has given us instruction. Because he loves us, he has obligated us to his commands. And if he didn't give us commands, then we would probably wonder, does he really love us? Like a parent that doesn't guide their children and give them commands and rules in the house. You know, Here's the rules of the house. Here's how you should treat others. Those rules are are to help form them and protect them and give them rules for life. Well, God has given us that. And you can't have love just in word. Love must be demonstrated. And who better Demonstrating that than, than God Himself. And so, God has given us um, commandments. And of course, we all, uh, or many of us, if most of us here, know the Lord and the Ten Commandments. Well, I think God thought that was a little too difficult for us. So, He decided to, to bring it down and narrow it down to two commandments. <laughs> Make it a whole lot easier, right? Uh, if you if you want to, to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew twenty two thirty seven, <clears throat> Jesus gave us two commandments, and of course, uh, here in Matthew, Jesus is uh, constantly being bombarded with uh, those around him trying to catch him in. Whatever, a lie or blasphemy or, or something against the scriptures. And, and a lawyer comes to him and, and he's asking him, you know, which is the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus says here, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, that sums it up. That's pretty easy. We can all do that, right? The fall makes it difficult. Living in the flesh makes it difficult. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And because of his great love with which he had for us, we are able to love. And he gives us the example of what that looks like. But nevertheless, it it still doesn't make it easy. Notice how the first verse begins. It starts by telling us, To love the Lord. We aren't to focus the attention on ourselves. Notice also that it tells us to love the Lord first and then love our neighbors as ourselves. It doesn't say anything about loving ourselves, that we're to love ourselves. It makes the assumption that we already do love ourselves. Nobody needs to tell us that that we should love ourselves. You know, that's that's uh natural, born in us. It's our instinct. Of course we love ourselves. But there's a healthy love of self. God doesn't want us to love ourselves to a point of of arrogance, of self-centeredness. But we must love ourselves enough so that we can have the capacity to love our neighbors and so it's instinctual i mean you know we want to protect ourselves and we should we should put build an environment around us that is healthy that we're protected that we have food that we have the needs in life. So that we can. Put aside the, the thinking that we're constantly trying to, to secure ourselves. But the good news is this. God. Tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. So in, in, in that Statement Jesus makes. We don't have to worry about loving ourselves. If we first seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to take care of what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. So, we don't have to be concerned about those things. But it's against our natural thinking, right? In the flesh, it's difficult to not be self-absorbed. We have to fight against that. And in an effort to do that, in order to do that, God is instructing us here for our own good and how we can accomplish that. And that is, we have to focus first on Him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I know myself, I struggle with that on a daily basis, Getting up in the morning, seek God first. I do normally get up and I pray first, but too often I work. I work with a team that is on the East Coast, and so there are three, two to three hours already ahead of me. So invariably, I get up and it's you know I spend small amount of time with the Lord, but then I open an email, and then suddenly, what happens with emails? Oh man. Emails. You just get caught in the emails. And then one leads to another thing that leads to another thing. It's like, uh uh-oh, I got to call these people now because I should have called them already an hour earlier. (laughs) And so you forget to do that. So I struggle uh, to do that, especially more so in the summertime because uh, the hour change. And um, so it, it makes it more difficult to deal with people on the East Coast. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with seeking first God in your day? We could all do better, right? If we have a, a partner, uh, then maybe you look to your partner and uh, you ask them, help me for the next week. If you're not doing well with that, ask ask for some assistance. That's what God put us together for, to, to help each other, to encourage each other. But, Try it for the next week if you're you're not doing that already. Put God first before you even do anything in your day. I think it was um, Martin Luther King Jr. that said, depending on how much he has to do in his day is going to determine how much time he spends in prayer in the morning. And there were times where he would be two hours into prayer and, and people would be, prodding him to, to, we have to get going. He says, I have a lot more to pray about. Yeah, we should all do better with that. Let's take a look at um, these verses and, and dissect them. Love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart. This is a reference to the inner self, including the volition, the mind, the desires. It goes down into the deepest parts of us. You know, put your heart into it. You know, how how many other things in life do we, we put our hearts into these things. We find things that we really are interested in. We put our hearts into them. We pour everything we have into them. Sometimes to the point where people say, you know, could you just turn it off for a bit and and be present? I mean, to that degree, we can do that. Do we do that with God? Do we love him with all of our heart? And, of course, I think the answer is we will Never completely accomplished that until we're we're with him face to face. But nevertheless, he, he encourages us with these commands so that we can take the focus off of ourselves, get our minds and our hearts right, and live a life that glorifies him, a life that allows us to accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish. The next verse. Love the Lord with all your soul. The Greek word is psyche. It also refers to the inner self, the heart and the mind, with a psychological factor to it. But again, more all-encompassing. And then the next, with all of your mind. This is referring to your reasoning, your thinking, your understanding. The sum total of man's mental and moral state. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we're told. And that's because first we have to be able to comprehend God's word in our mind. And then that goes into our heart. And so this is, of course, can only be accomplished with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, then you you don't even recognize, A, that you need a God. You don't understand and recognize the love that God has for you. We all start out that way. We don't know the Lord. In fact, we're all enemies of God so crucially important why parents should instill disciplines in their children and recognize there are authorities because as your children grows and develops as if we have all grown and developed it's easier to recognize that we are not the highest of authorities that we have people in authority over us and you know being a parent is one of those that that great opportunity to instill in your children these things are benefits for their life and so to the degree that you instill that in your children it helps them as they grow older so that they can recognize there's a god and we fall short because of sin we miss the mark, and we need God in our lives. And so when we come to that place where God has revealed to us, and we've humbled ourselves, and we can say, we need a Savior. Then God gives us the right to become his children. And he empowers us. He Instills, puts the Holy Spirit within us. And then he allows us to know this level of love. But without it, we can't know this level of love. As I look at all of these, the heart, the soul, and the mind, and then elsewhere in uh, Mark, also it adds on with all of your strength. I mean, it is literally all, every ounce of, of being within us, everything that we have, to love the Lord. Of course, the best example of this is Christ himself. Jesus exemplified this for us. So we don't need to go any further than to look at the life of Christ. And what he has done for us. Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible writes this. What Jesus meant by loving God is indicated by his own habits of public worship. Private prayer. Absolute obedience. By the requirement, him only shalt thou serve not dividing devotion with mammon, hollowing the divine name in daily business by avoiding empty oaths, by his zeal for the scriptures, his defense of the Sabbath, his unshaken trust, and frequent thanksgiving. Jesus came to the earth. He left His heavenly abode with the Father and the Spirit. And he came as a suffering servant. This is sacrificial love. Displayed for us. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Had made a covenant with each other before the foundations of the world. What's sacrificial love? We God didn't even make, create the world yet. They already had a, a covenant. It's a contract, but stronger. It's a covenant that God makes, a covenant that can't be broken. And this plan of redemption was created before he even made us. And he knew what the plan was and what he was going to have to do. What he was going to have to suffer. And yet he chose it anyway. I mean he's God. He could have just said alright. We don't have to do this. But he chose it because of his love. His love is holy. His love is eternal. We can't comprehend that love. We can do our best by obviously looking at, at the life of Christ. And looking into his word. But we won't know that love fully until we were with him in eternity. And then I think, of course, in eternity, we'll be learning more about how holy, how awesome, how loving, how merciful, every aspect of God. We will continue to learn about him in eternity. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you think and you, you, you talk with your kids sometimes you say, "Oh, eternity—that's a long time." You know, what are you going to do for eternity? We are going to be in awe. I mean, look at everything around us. We we just spent time, my wife and um, her niece and daughter. We went up to the Grand Canyon uh, uh, Friday. We we took a drive up there, and you just look at what God had created. It's awesome. And this is just a small glimpse of how incredible our Lord is. But he says, and Paul tells us in Romans, we're we're without excuse not to to believe there's a God just because of of the things that he has created. And you can just sit there and and look at what God created, even down to the smallest of a, a budding plant, You know, I think it's God's sense of humor that we can throw a little sliver of wood into the ground and you water it and suddenly it grows into something. (laughs) I'm growing tomato plants right now and I go out every day and I just look at how much they've grown and it's just, I don't know, I'm amazed by it. The whole process. And you watch the the bees pollinate and, and how everything that God created goes on through life. That should put us in awe of who our creator is. And remember, we're in a fallen, fallen world right now. When we get to heaven, what God has in store for us, I forget the singer, but uh, he said, this is like living in a garbage can compared to what God has in store for us. Keith Green he had a song about that. But it's It's true. And we battle daily with uh, the things of the flesh. You know, God says uh, that we should focus on the things of the spirit, not on the things of the flesh. Well, he told us that because he knows that the world that we live in, we're going to be looking around us. And we're going to be bombarded with with the fallen state that we're in. The things of the, the world that don't go right. Rust destroys, moths eat. Everything falls apart. Don't be surprised, right? It's supposed to. <laughs> and yet we get upset. It's like, why did this happen? Well, it's supposed to at this point. It's, it's, the wages of sin is death and it's affected everything that we experience. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is God displaying love for us. And it should encourage us. It should compel us to do the next portion of this verse. Verse 39. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So I'm glad God Summed it up into just two commandments. Because it really makes it a lot easier. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But they are summed up in those two commandments. And if we focus on loving the Lord. That allows us to do the things in life. That we're supposed to do. That takes our minds. Off of ourselves. And points us to, to our creator. Our savior. Our redeemer. And. That, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the power to overcome the things of this world. Greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. So, thank God. Thank God that He communicated with us this love. I can't even imagine a world without God. And we're, you know, the Bible calls that hell. Now, in our country, we've been blessed because for, for a long time, we were founded on the things of God. But slowly, what happens The flesh comes in and wants to destroy. The evil one comes in and wants to destroy. We're not just battling the wages of sin. We're also battling against the evil one. And he is lurking around the corner waiting to see who he can devour. And so, you know, these things come at us from all angles. It's not just the things that that we uh, sometimes perpetrate upon our own selves, but sometimes it's the influence of the evil one around us. And he's trying to he's trying to destroy everything that God had set forth. That's his entire goal. And if it wasn't for God restraining him, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't survive it. And there is a time we know that God is going to release him. We won't be here as followers of Christ. Pastor Rick just preached on two weeks of, of uh, prophecy. And so it's the belief of Calvary and us that we believe in the pre-tribulation. Pre-tribu- And so we won't be here during that time. But there is going to be a time where the evil one isn't restrained any longer. And that's once the the Holy Spirit is is taken out of the way. And that's the church. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And this is the church dispensation. And we represent that in the world today. And that is, of course, why it's important for us to be the example of, to everyone around us, to be that light. And we can't do it without God's love and following this commandment. So we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, how do we do that in in, in practicality? You see your neighbor hurting, You you go and help them. Sometimes it's, they get a flat tire and they come over and knock on your door in the morning and they ask you, oh, can you help? I have a flat tire. And absolutely, go over there and do it. Or sometimes they're going through uh, missing a family one. Someone in the family recently passed away and they, they just need a, a loving support Go and help them. Be with them. Build a relationship with your neighbors in the same manner that you, you would want someone to build with you. Too often, you know, here, I used to live in Michigan. Things seemed a little different. In Michigan, we don't have the block walls for our backyards. And so it kind of encourages neighbors to get out and, and visit each other in the yards and stuff and really get to know their neighbors better. And when we moved here, it was a little more difficult. Everyone seemed to be, you know, to ourselves and block walls. So you go out in your backyard and you don't see anybody else. So it, it actually takes effort. You know, you, sometimes you have to um, make that effort when you see your, your neighbor pull up or something or go out for the mail and just be friendly, say hi. That's not of the world today. Not very common anymore. And so just doing that and build that relationship. You know, we're told to go out and make disciples. Well, we can't just go out and, and as Pastor was, was, was saying the other, other week, you know, a sign, you're going to hell. Seek God now. You're on the wrong path. I mean, that's, that's not what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to love our neighbor as ourselves. I mean, when I see that, that irritates me. But he's asking us to be, befriend them as we would want someone to befriend us. And so uh, we can do that more. Try doing that. We have to make a place in our heart for these people. Paul says, as he's writing letters to uh, the churches that he's ministering to, he says, make a place in your heart for us. And so, that's a great example of what we should be doing. We need to make a place in our heart for those that are around us. Be intentional about it. Pray about it. I mean, that's what we are here for. Not to just work on our lives, ourselves, but to, to, to reach out to those around us. And I mentioned this, this in the past, but most of us, I think it was 90% of us that came to know Christ, came to know the Lord because of somebody else that shared the gospel with us. It wasn't from the pulpit, it wasn't the pastor or preacher that, that shared that message with them. It was you and me. And that's loving our neighbors ourselves. As I think about it, I often think, you know, about family members as well and uh, just people around me. But now that I know the Lord, and and I know about heaven and hell, and I think about those that don't know Christ, and it can break your heart. I... Like God is, is He helps me understand. I don't want to see that happen to anybody, and so that should compel us. That love that God has for us should compel us to go out and share that love with other people. Paul uh, writes in chapter thirteen, uh, uh, Romans chapter thirteen, verse eight. He kind of brings us back around to, to these, uh, these commandments and so these are uh, i think that like the last five of the ten commandments but if we consider them oh no one anything except to love one another for he who loves has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think about those things, you know, personally, you can look at those and just say, oh yeah, those are, those are commandments that we should follow and they're good to follow and therefore our own good and protection which is true but these are also commandments that when we violate them they affect others around us they affect their family members they affect our neighbors i mean nothing goes without effect of sin And it doesn't just affect one person. It affects everyone around you. It affects the world. I mean, look at the world today. The world is constantly pushing God out of the pictures. Wants to erase God. Wants to rewrite history. Wants to... Doesn't want us to think about God. And the, the youth today, if you... You know, in school, I mean, when I was a kid... God was included in school. Prayer was included in school. But we've done uh, a disservice by not holding that in those, those areas. We're teaching our children and we're sending them to these schools and saying, oh yeah, these are places we want you to learn from. They're not teaching godly things. They're trying to teach ungodly things. They're trying to twist the truth. They're trying to erase God from society so that we don't think about God anymore. We're thinking about the flesh, you know? So that's why it's so critical and important for each of us, especially as parents, to to encourage our children about God. And... For ourselves to keep focused on a daily basis. You know, there's this cliche one or seven days without prayer makes one weak. One day without prayer makes you weak. It really does. I mean, I notice it in my life. If if I'm not putting God first, if I'm not praying and and just setting the day right, setting my mind straight on the things of the Spirit. Then I can really start weaving and curving and, and just going going astray. And so, it's important that we do that. We keep focused on that. Do not commit adultery. Well, that affects uh, your family, it affects your wife, it affects your neighbors. Who's the person you're involved with? Don't murder. It's really bad for the, the person that you murdered. Their family, their friends, yourself. I was reading something um, that a psychologist wrote, and uh, he was saying two things. One of the, the worst feelings a person can have is regret, it destroys your soul. Well, can you imagine what happens? To the mind of a person who thinks it's even okay to murder. And if it's accidentally, if, if you maybe accidentally in life, you actually hit somebody with your car and, and they die. The regret you have, even though it may have not been your fault, but that regret that you have, it's Overwhelming. You shall not steal. Again, these are things that after, after we transgress with these things, our mind starts thinking wrongly. Guilt sets in, hopefully. But then regret. And if you stay there and you dwell on these things, instead of refocusing your mind back on the Lord, you can start reeling out of control. And it affects your life greatly. It affects those around you. Don't bear false witness. You're harming other people when you do that. Again, can't love our neighbors if we're bearing false witness against them. And you shall not covet. All these are summed up, namely in saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. God's love is holy. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That's great encouragement. I mean, that's the, the the hope that we have before us. You know, as Christians, we, we know we've experienced God in our lives. And that compels us to continue to seek Him, to love Him more. And knowing that He's a holy God, He's an eternal God, it is so... Comforting, isn't it? He's the only one that has always ever been. You can go back, who cares what carbon dating said? Go back 20 trillion years. God was. He always existed. He always will exist. And because He is a holy God and a God who loves us, He's going to love us for all eternity. That encourages me. No matter how bad the day gets, or week, or month, or season, God is eternal, and His love is eternal. And it shows no boundaries. God's love is sacrificial. Of course, we know that. If you ever watched a football game, John 3, 16. Everybody knows that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. His love is sacrificial. The fact that Jesus came to this earth, humbled Himself, became a suffering servant, ridiculed, spat on. To, from his own, they did not receive him, but they condemned him. And, you know, we know that God has feelings. Jesus wept. This was such an overwhelming feeling that Christ had that he even asked father if this cup can pass before me can't even imagine can't even imagine he was sweating blood nevertheless he did it because of love he did it because he loved the father first and he loved us It was his plan of redemption. We sacrifice in our lives. We must. That's the only way we can show love. It's always a sacrifice. It always costs something. You give up your time for someone else, your children. That costs you time. That's a sacrifice. It's a small thing to ask in light of what God has sacrificed. C.S. Lewis put it, God who needs nothing, loves into existence, holy, superfluous creatures, in order that he may love, and perfect them. He creates the universe, already foreseen, or should we say seeing, there is no tenses in God, the buzzing cloud of flies, around the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the mesial nerves, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up. This is the diagram of love himself. the inventor of all loves what a great writer how true it is paul writes second thessalonians 3:5 now may the lord direct your hearts into the love of god and into the patience of christ Only God can direct us into this love. You know, remember Peter and and Jesus asking him, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're God, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. Exactly. He could only know that because God the Father revealed that to him. And so Paul's prayer, the same. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Truly only God can do that. That's why we need to seek Him. So He can direct our hearts into that love. Help us to focus on Him. He'll make our path straight. He'll direct us. He'll give us the capacity to love others. And like Christ, He'll give us the capacity to love our enemies. Jesus' sacrificial love was given to all of us while we were yet enemies of Christ. None of us wanted God. It shouldn't be a surprise that as we look around the world, the majority doesn't want God. The road to hell is wide. The road to heaven is narrow and few be there that find it. You know, so when we look around ourselves and we look at people, we should recognize majority don't know Christ. But God, because he's rich in mercy, he is waiting. Yes, the rapture is coming. Coming quickly. We know that because we look at prophecy and we see that everything that needed to be fulfilled up to this point has already been fulfilled. And now we're waiting and it's coming quickly. But we were all once without the knowledge of Christ. And so we need now more than ever to be loving our neighbors as ourselves. To be praying for our neighbors. To get in our whole family praying. Encouraging our children to pray. Because there are lost people and God is is waiting for that one last person His mercy is long-suffering. And he's not going to come back and return until that one person he's waiting for comes to that knowledge. So we should be diligent and be ready and be loving God, be loving our neighbors as ourselves. I'm going to close in Revelation 21 5 through 7. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, being John, Write these words that are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. How awesome! Do you want to be the son of God? The daughter of God? If you don't know the love of Christ and you don't know what God has for you and you'd like to know, you can get in touch with us here at Calvary Chapel, Fountain Hills. Reach out to us online. We'd love to direct you in asking the Lord to be your Savior. Help you to recognize that All of us and every one of us come short of the mark and we need a savior. And only God can do that. He made the plans before he ever created us. He showed us his love. He displayed it on the cross. He rose from the dead, conquered death. He is an everlasting God who loves us for all eternity and he wants all of us to enjoy that eternity as heirs to that king his kingdom and be with him forever amen